The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or a mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find your place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, broadcasting deep within the bowels of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, a 30k podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm joined today with Carol, Ryan, and Will. How's everybody doing tonight? Good, thank you. Yeah, doing well. Thanks. Pretty good, yeah. Thank you. So it's going to be a quiet night tonight. Um, this will probably be our last recording before uh, before New Year. We're all getting ready for the holiday season. And uh, I don't know. What's everybody up? What's everybody been up to this week? Who wants to go first? Uh, I guess I'll go. So um, coming off the back end of the holiday event um, down here or up here in Maryland, uh, took some taking some time off of work right now uh, before the holidays, and I'm getting ready for some gaming uh, over the season. So I've been working on. Sisters of Silence, um, getting one of the transports ready, um, and then doing some planning for next year, uh, planning an Escalation League for uh, Maryland, and yeah, you know, just enjoying some time off and doing random hobby projects. Very cool. Good stuff. I myself... I am, uh, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I, I really haven't been doing much. I've just been listening to audiobooks, just finished up Slaves to Darkness today how was that uh, it was pretty interesting um <laughs> it's effectively um herding all the traitor cats together to go to beta garmin and hey, hey jesse don't don't give too much away <laughs> it's kind of the the start of the road to terra type deal exactly yeah i think after uh after slaves to darkness i think the last two books are titan death which just came out and the last one is the hidden dagger or the hidden blade. And that's going to be coming out next year early. And that'll be the last book of the Horus heresy series. Oh man. That's what to say. Well, then it's going into the, uh, the siege of Terra series, starting with solar war. But, uh, yeah, that's, I haven't been doing much hobby wise. Uh, going to be out of the country for two weeks. And uh, so just been basically preparing for that. So pretty quiet on the uh, hobby highway, which is. Yeah, I agree um, with the holidays coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, myself, I'm just working, you know, uh, not sure. really focusing on any hobby, really, honestly, um, doing some commission work. Uh just small stuff like David wanted a realm of battle board painted up. So I'm doing that for him. So you can have a uh, two by four kill team. Oh, uh, who is that? You said Austin, David, David. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the big, big thing is I'm uh, cleaning out all this extra inventory. I've got lined up, you know, starting fresh. Yeah. New year, new army. I got custodes set up and lined up. I just finished buying all the last-minute hobby stuff I need for them, like you know, scenic bases and uh, pigments and all that other stuff. So that'll be my 2019 mm -hmm. goal. We'll get that painted up and finished. 
But uh, yeah, man, that's really been it. Uh, not really listen. Well, not any 30k stuff. I have been listening to um, Blood of Ajax, which is like a Primaris Ultramarine book. Uh, yeah, not that good. I mean, it's it's fine. Oh. <laughs> it just follows like a lot of standard tropes. Where you know, you know, sure. you know exactly what's going to happen in the story. You know, gotcha. Not quite Dark Imperium. No, no. Like I really, really enjoyed Dark Imperium, but uh, this is definitely like. I don't know. You just, it's just one of those stories that you know exactly how it's going to end. Sure. But I'm still reading it because, I, I mean, maybe they'll throw me for a loop. Maybe it will not end how I think it's going to end, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of a 30K novels out there that kind of redeemed themselves for me in, like, the last few chapters. So Yeah, exactly. So I'm holding out hope that that's what this is going to do for me. All right. Yeah, for myself, pretty much the same. I'm mostly working. Currently, I started at the first books, re-listening to those. Interrupted it just so I can listen to Slaves of Slaves to Darkness as well. Mm-hmm. So, pretty laid back and relaxed. We'll see. Rolling into the new year, I'm not going to stress myself too much. Yeah, smart. Take it easy. Cool. Speaking of New Year's, though, uh, what are you guys' New Year's hobby resolutions? You guys got any? I have a big box of world leaders which are screaming to be built and getting just to get ready. So that's probably what I'm going to focus on. And my monsters. Yes. For me, uh, I have entered into a. a pact, a hobby pact with a buddy of mine, Bo. Uh, so as many of you might have like way too much shit to paint, you probably have like a year or two's worth of hobby stuff. That's what I have. I, I don't have know what you're talking such about. Such a huge backlog. So him and I came to a conclusion that we had too much shit. I don't really feel like selling everything. So we are going to basically keep ourselves from buying something. So what we said is when you finished a project, and I'm, I'm considering a project like an army, um, you know, a significant chunk of an army, whatever I've got laying around, like all my Mechanicum that I have. When mm-hmm. I finish them, I can go buy something new. Nice. Not like yeah. $1,000 worth of something new, but like a new kit um, sure. for something that I need. And then kind of work through it that way to try to, you know, not spend as much money because I've probably got like two or three years of hobby sitting in my room that will keep me busy without buying anything new. Yeah, I I know the feeling. Yeah, me and Will <laughs> were talking. About, me and Will were talking about this last night. The worst part is when you buy all the stuff. It's not like you can just throw it away if it's taking up space. You got to sell it, and then that's yes. a whole another. You know, that's a whole another. But issue that's the thing, itself. right? Is that it just takes up space. It has no value until it's built and painted. And then you can play. Oh, I understand that. Has value and, there, right? So that's my biggest yeah. about this is I have all the stuff sitting in my closet that has no value to me. You know, it's valuable if I sell it. Sure, it's valuable if I paint it and sell it or play with it. Then, but when it's just sitting in a box, it has no value to me at all. Like it, it just takes up space. That's all it does, and I hate that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I would say it's probably got negative value. Yeah, between the emotional <laughs> and the the physical. You know, you look at it every day and you're like, fuck, I'm never going to get to that. Yeah. 
That's and true. it's taking up a lot of space. It is. Yep. Just just sitting there lying around in the apartment, not paying rent. It's yeah, it's it's definitely a negative. <laughs> I mean I was I was excited when we moved in here because there were these big closets, but I really don't know what happened to them because there's nothing left. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the bigger living area you get, that just means you can hold more stuff in there. I've had That's that problem true. multiple times. Yeah, you just end up filling it with other stuff. Say Forge World hit a th- hundred thousand likes today, and released a little sneak peek picture, which I'm assuming is going to be some artwork in Malevolence, or could be the box art for a new uh, 30k box set. I don't know. Mark three Marines and Demons would be a kind of cool set. Oh please, I need some more Demons. <laughs> My thing was, it's, I mean, obviously yes, they they were they. Blood Angels did have Mark III, but I just always imagine them to be more of a Mark IV army. A little sleeker, yeah. No. I will say the artwork look, does look great, though. Like, they really did Mark III Blood Angels some pretty yeah. good service there. So that'll be interesting to definitely keep an eye out for. I, de- I mean, I, yeah. I 100% agree that it's got to be something related to an upcoming release, be it a book or... Uh, a kit or whatever, because they're not just going to produce... Con- like art like that because pe- they think people like it. Even if they're just going right. to sell the poster, maybe we'll just sell the poster, you know? Yeah, uh, like I said, you don't typically see that type of artwork in the black books either, like full color. Exactly, hand-painted. so it, I really can't, I can't think it's a, it's a black book. Yeah, it, it really looks like, like a product. Uh, you got some uh, assault marines in the back who are in firefight with a bunch of the uh, Zinch Screamers, I think they're called. A little flying... Yeah, flying demons. Yeah, yeah that looks like maybe. A, yeah, can't tell if it's either a Leviathan or a Castaferum dreadnought in the background, just going to town on some Slaneshi demons. And I really regret saying that in a phrase like that. And just uh, going to town. On just them. going to town on them. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. So really curious to see what they got there. Not to mention the big ass demon that Sanguinius is fighting. Yeah, yeah, that goes without saying. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it is interesting. I think I think you're onto something there, man. I really I have to agree that it's probably something way more than just like a picture they put up. And uh, yeah, they're they're not just going to put a picture like that up. All that artwork is related to something. It honestly looks like the eighth edition Codex type of artwork that you see. Yeah, I definitely feel it's strong influence from that new art style. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe they might change up the format of the black books a little bit. You never know. I don't know. I, I believe you'd have a lot of angry people if you did that, but you know. <laughs> oh no. Angry people. Yeah. Won't be the first time. Oh, what about the animated series, huh? That they're doing. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see where they go with that. I'm what uh, is it called? It's um Angels of Darkness, I think. think. Oh, Angels of Darkness. Is it? Angels of Death, Hang maybe? On. Angels of... Uh, 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 let me see. <laughs> I haven't even heard about this animated series. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a computer animated 3D 
Angels of Death. That's it. Are those these trailers? What's that now? Are those these trailers we saw a few times? No, no. Th this is going to be a story about uh, Blood Angels. Oh, okay. Then I'm on something completely different. Yeah. What I'm really interested in is the fact that they, they're not Primaris Marines either. Like They're just standard tacticals yeah. and right. dreadnoughts. Like They didn't even put the Primaris in this trailer. Yeah, very well, you know, the Primaris have to show up at the to save the day at the end. They can't just put. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. that must be it. But yeah, I'm really curious to see how it looks. What about the new horse heresy character? Oh yeah. So I'm not a huge fan of the gift wrapping they put over it. Do you mean the wolf which is riding a platypus? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm leaning towards it's probably a space wolf character of some kind. False. It's but, the con. Uh, think it's the con? I would be surprised by the con. The did con. the con have an axe, though? No, he did not. But he does now. It's a red herring. It's not an axe. It's a cyber familiar. Oh, like a whoa. cyber hawk. Mm -hmm. Coming off the back of, of his axe. bike. Hey, oh, maybe, maybe. Uh, I will <laughs> say though. So, like before, do you remember they used to do the uh, puzzle pieces? Yes. Yep. And people were able to exploit it and get like the full picture because they'd go to like they'd be able to look in a log and they'd have to up you know, the way Forgeworld did their indexes, I guess, or whatever it was. They would <laughs> upload all their pictures at once, so you could just go there and if you knew how to navigate the path, you could see all the pictures they'd uploaded for that page. This way, there's only this picture up there. There's no like unwrapping it or anything like that where it's multiple phases. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow I'll wake up and it's partially unwrapped and I ate my own words. But I think this is just going to be like a, a, a single reveal. So that way they don't have people finding out the secret before it's meant to be released. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So very curious though. Because it looks so short and fat like it must be either like a ridiculously dynamic pose or something really well, whatever it is I, yeah i think we're seeing that at a certain particular angle that is obscuring its true dimensions it would also be funny if they would have stacked two models on top of each other oh right like like they open it up and it's <laughs> like haha it's actually this model but from the top and you're like what like, you no, know it's actually I mean, this right? little dude like, on top of the tank. Where they're like, what type of Pokemon is that? And it's a circle, and they're like, oh, it's the the Voltorb. And then, yeah, you open up, they, they reveal it, and it's like, no, it's Togepi from the top. And you're like, what the fuck? I don't think the tank enough for that, but that would be cool. <laughs> I don't know. But hey, here's another prop. It's not something that they showed a while back ago either, I'm assuming. I'm pretty sure someone would figure that one out if they had from like last Forge World Weekend or anything like that. Something completely, completely new. Hopefully. I mean, they managed to do that with a whole goddamn Titan a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. That was impressive, I gotta say. Yep. And I believe you're right. The gun, we were talking about a few weeks ago, the gun is separate, so they may... Yeah, man, I knew they were guns. not going to sell that big <laughs> thing by, like, 
all as one. No way. They they'd never done it before with any Titans. I mean, they sell the Warhound mm-hmm. Titans weapons all separate. Every Titan they sell has its weapon separate. There was no way the Carapace was going to be because it's just a missed money opportunity if they do. They can just be like, "Hey guys, here's a fucking like like we talked about. Here's a landing pad. You can put a Valkyrie on this thing and be ready for takeoff immediately. Whatever, you know." Mo money. That's right. What I'm kind of excited about is on the 24th in their advent calendar, the story which they will relief, uh, release. Oh, a rose watered by blood? Yes, the one with the Cora, Lotara, all those things. Looking forward to that. Yeah, written by... Oh, yeah. Are they doing a uh, calendar this year? I remember they did a calendar last year. I don't not, know. Not the I'll advent calendar, but I mean like a legitimate calendar. Like a physical calendar? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen one. I, they usually sell those in Black Library, if I remember right. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I would be surprised if they don't. Usually their calendars are really, really nice. They are pretty nice. I just know it's the end of the year, and I don't have a new calendar yet. Yeah, and I, I don't see one here either. Well, we're going to probably end up at least with one of those. Maybe we should do a um, a calendar then. What do you guys think? We get, you know, just all the dudes in Speedos, and then we'll just, you know, get pictures done and everything, and we'll be good to go. Start we don't selling. want to break the internet, Will. Uh, yeah, right. please, please no. <laughs> you sure? I'm how about just, just not a lot to say anything the offer, about that. The offers on the table. Offers. On um, the table. how about we do the twelve months of Will? Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I can be August and February. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. So Moving they have abyssal on. <laughs> on this year's advent calendar, right? They have old they wounds, have new scars. I'm I'm looking at the advent calendar for this year. Like ones, oh yeah, yeah. You can buy the whole pack for seventy one dollars. But I'm just wondering which ones am I gonna want? You know, because like yeah, uh, uh, I'm not gonna want any of the, the the fish people books that they got. <laughs> so I think they also just oh, dude, recently yeah, came a lesson in iron. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, let's see. Abyssal, 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 which is a uh, Sister of Silence book, I think is out. Old Wounds, yep. New Scars. I want to say they just came out with the, um, yeah, Lesson in Iron is coming out soon, I think. The Last Council, which... Yeah, I already which, picked it up. I haven't started it, though. Yeah, if you haven't listened, if you haven't read The Last Council, a great book. And uh, if you remember the um, the last... <sighs> The last audio drama that uh, centered around Malkador, I want to say it was last uh, Lord of the Imperium. It adds yet some more layers to the mythos that is Malkador the Sigilite. Yeah, that's and, awesome. Uh, actually, uh, kind of reveal some stuff, which is also pretty interesting as well. I think uh, the Atonement of Fire is also just came out today, I want to say. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're just showing me the ones that have been revealed so far. Yeah, that's too bad. They're only on 18. I want to see what all is going to be revealed, but I guess that's the whole point of an advent calendar, right? Well, hang on. If you go onto the uh, Warhammer community website, I think they mentioned, they kind of give a brief overview of what books to expect, so I'm going to check that out real quick. Yeah, when I, I try to find calendars for next year on Black Library, but it doesn't look like they have anything. No, I did a search and all that came up was um, Advent Calendar. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's some stuff on Amazon, but yeah. Yep, so they don't release the actual titles themselves on the uh, webpage, but they mention... Five stories are set in the uh, Age of Darkness. So you've got one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the last ones, A Lesson in Iron is going to be the ones with Ferris Manus. And so I think there's going to yeah, be. Yeah, so that one's actually pretty neat, right? Because uh, a ship comes, the plot is a ship comes from the future and they meet Hor or Horus. They meet Ferris during the Great Crusade. Hmm. Interesting. You know, they they tell him about everything that's going on. But I, I just bought it. I read maybe the first paragraph of it. I haven't gotten too deep into it. Literally, like, the first page is mm -hmm. them just chasing down. Um, the Heart of Iron is just chasing down some orc cruisers and destroying them. So from there, we'll figure out what else is going on. But it should be interesting. I think, honestly, gotcha. that book was released last year in, like, a collection of some sort. But they just re-released it for this. You think so? I don't think they I, do I that think, for the advent. I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah. I don't know. I could be a could I be a mistake. The calendar is all brand new stuff. Hi, Steven. Hello. Hi. I'm here doing stuff. Yeah, well. As I said before, I think so. The last remaining Advent book for the Horus Heresy is going to be on the 24th. Start. And it's going to be the best book because the World Eaters are in it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know they're going yeah, to save the best for last. Blood, uh, blood soaked in rose, or rose soaked in blood. Is that the one we're doing? Uh, with Lotara? That's right. Yeah. 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 Man, we, it's funny that they are releasing that this year because between us, privately, we've been brainstorming and wondering what's been going on with Lotara for pretty much the whole year. Mm -hmm. So it'll be nice to see. I really hope she doesn't, you know, meet a really, really unfortunate end, but she's flag captain on a ship full of world leaders. So... And a demon prince. And a I'm demon you, prince. What I really want to happen is for her to become a demon queen where she takes over the ship and melds with it. That's what I would like. I don't think she's probably do all things considered, that's probably the best case scenario. I mean after all she shot a world leader in the face, so I don't know, either she's gonna get killed pretty quick by demons or she's just gonna kick ass again because she's just awesome. There's only one way to find out. 
So what else we got going on? I think that's pretty much it as far as mm. on the uh, hobby news front. Well, I mean, there's that. What do you think that model is that Warhammer community teased? Uh, we already it. established we it's a wolf. It. It's a wolf riding a platypus, Stephen. That's it. I want to say oh. I'm going to say that right now. I think it's the uh, the lion pulling a judo move on a world eater. The world eater is holding an axe. Ooh. You can see on the left hand wow. side, it's his foot outstretched, and the lion's just crouched underneath, and he's just flipping the world eater over his head. Take a good hard look at it; you'll <laughs> just see what I'm seeing. Su just suplexing a legionary. <laughs> All right, can we talk shop for a minute? I need to get real, real talk. Real, okay, I got a serious yeah. issue right now with Games Workshop. They went. Uh -huh. and they developed. These paint pots, the new washes, are much taller than the current pots, right? Mm -hmm. And their center of gravity is higher, and they get knocked over more easily? Only for klutzes like yourself, but yes. Oh, oh damn! That said, I, mean, I bought one of their hobby boxes, their hobby project box things, right? Mm -hmm. Back in 2015, 2016, whenever they released it. Yeah. And before, it used to fit all the paints perfectly, but now it does not because the top mm. ones, the top won't close now. Well, you know, oh, you're in luck. Well, because it's they're selling a new one. Yeah, I know. That's the thing is I'm on the page right now looking at it. I'm, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> they're selling a new one for you, man. They have all the solutions you need. For problems they cause themselves. I'm sure Wake can uh, cut you out a nice little box for holding. No, ice. I just end up having to store them on their side, in like on the bottom instead of standing up like they should be. I mean, it's gotcha. a minor. You could just pour really risking that old, pop top and open your old normal and stuff, so it fits. No, that's ridiculous. Madness. I'm, I'm sorry. Insanity strikes. <laughs> I do always like coming on Games Workshop and seeing what kind of gift bundles they have. I really want that paint cup. How dumb is that? But I want it. The paint uh, cup. The paint is, cup is pretty cool, actually. It is pretty sweet. Yeah. I actually bought one, and it's a whole yeah, lot bigger it's than Yeah, standing in our shoe closet. No, no, it's on the paint desk. I mean, for eight bucks too. I mean, it's it's huge. I mean, I have a custom-made Remembrancer's Retreat paint mug. <laughs> I don't put paint in that. That's ridiculous. That you do. I put black coffee in there. I put water I put in it. Actually, shells and peanuts in there. <laughs> Just, I. It's my. It's my water cup. It's next to my bed for when I wake up and I have a hell of hot in mouth. <laughs> because I eat salty things before I go to. I like. Have you never heard of cotton mouth, Caro? No. Uh, it's when you. It's when your mouth, there's like no moisture in your mouth, and so your mouth just feels like it's full of cotton balls. It's like if, you've, if you've ever woken up you in the middle of the night. When you're very yeah, if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night and you've like, you just really, really, really need something to drink, cotton mouth. Okay. Well, That's just a strictly American thing. Probably not familiar. Do not sit here and tell me lies like you've never experienced that before. 
usually when I wake up in the night, it's because I have to pee and not because I'm thirsty. So no, not really. Don't don't sit here and pretend like you've never eaten like one o'clock in the morning pizza, one o'clock in the morning McDonald's, and just gone straight to bed after ingesting your body weight in salt, and then woken up super thirsty. No, I don't do this because I just power through it. <sighs> That's the most German answer you could have possibly given. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. Ugh. Also, I still haven't been to McDonald's here, so it counts for something. What? Wait, what? Uh, I don't know if that's true, Carol. How are you surprised by this, Jesse? Wait, wait. I have not eaten anything apart from McFlurries at McDonald's in the United States. There we go. (laughs) Really? Yes. What about at Nova? Nova. McFlurry. uh, Got what about breakfast? Did you have a McFlurry for breakfast? breakfast? Oh, that's true. You're not a real breakfast. Like McFlurry person. is my breakfast. That's the only thing I eat at McDonald's here. <laughs> There's no time for breakfast at Nova. There's gaming to be had. And breakfast is time waste of time, so there we go. Mm. I feel you. Anyway, okay. hobby stuff. Never thought Carol would be our most controversial uh podcaster on this show. <laughs> yeah, she's throwing some shade. Right? Man. <sighs> what have you been up to, Stephen? Coming in late. Might as well ask you that question, too. Uh, well, I, uh, I've been desperately trying to work up motivation to paint more Titans. Or rather, to get back to painting my Titans. But being out here for work in West Virginia, just the motivation to do anything other than lay in bed and stare at the ceiling and slip slowly into madness when I get back from work is just, it's zilch. Just so, keep reading, man. To answer your question, I've mostly been, uh, I guess, roster baiting to Iron Warriors lists with Dreadnoughts. Yeah, so many Dreadnoughts. Yeah. Uh, I realized that I'd written a 25k or 2500 point list and, uh, there's at least one Nova match that's 3k, so I bumped it up to 3,000 and added three more Dreadnoughts, and I felt safe. Do you want to pull a Fury um, of the End? Yep. That's what's going to happen. By the end of the game, uh, I'll be tabled, and my opponent will have, like, 17 victory points in Dreadnought alone. <laughs> Probably. Well, hopefully we won't be playing against each other because I'm just going to bring a bunch of plus nodes and, you know, I really can't do much against you on that. Yeah, you I mean, can probably beat a Custodes player, honestly. I mean, if they're not, if they're bringing, like, a bunch of infantry, yeah, man. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, just it doesn't matter how much you love the Emperor if I dogpile you with enough strength 10 power fists. Yeah, that's all it takes. And, uh, you know, heavy bolters. Heavy bolters for days. Weight of fire. That's mostly it. Is, oh, can't paint? Well, I guess I'll just dream about a list. What's uh, what's going on with this event you just posted? Oh, uh, we can talk about that now, or you want to talk about that later in, like, plugging? We're talking about it now. This oh, oh jeez. Last episode of the year. You, you might just, as well make it count. You just, you just dropped it on us. We might as well this drop the audience, too. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, the event that I just posted is a return to Grey Worm Manufactorum, which astute listeners, back up. Astute listeners 
may yeah, remember let's talk about great one. Yep, that our very first battle, or our very first mega battle event, was the battle, the siege of Grey Worm Manufactory. Uh, it is generally amongst us considered to be the the opening of the D forty three campaign, which is our kind of localized in in sector games that we play. Uh, so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a narrative event. It's on my birthday, so it's basically just my birthday to myself is to run this game for my friends. Uh, birthday present to me from me happy birthday me uh but But somebody loves you it's true at least somebody loves me and that somebody is me uh but there we go the premise of it being is that after the original siege and the traders dropped the moon of centerclaus uh not to be confused with the really really scary man centerclaus or is he a man? No, wait, what? Wait, 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 back up. What are you saying? I said at the end of uh, the year, last year, or no, not last year, because this was like four years ago, uh, traders dropped the moon of Centerclaus, not to be confused no, no, no. with... The moon was not Centerclaus. The moon was not Centerclaus. It, it was the ice moon, Centerclaus. Oh, I don't even remember my own events. Yeah, right. so in my head... Uh, the Ice Moon was named after the creature that it imprisoned, and when the traitors dropped it on Formenos, it cracked open. Centerclaus himself escaped, and now we have the. Yep, that's canon now. And, that's and canon now we have everybody. the tens across the board monster that we all know and fear. Yep, we got Centerclauses in them. Because they might release demons. Yep. So, uh, after the traitors dropped the moon on the world, uh, and loyalists held the manufactory. They'd leave on account of the moon. Uh, the dark mechanicum stayed behind and was like excavating and digging around, seeing what they can find. And they found underneath the uh, the factory all of these vaults filled filled with uh, mothballed surplus uh, tanks, troop carriers, aircraft, stuff like that. So the first thing they did was they took all of that stuff and they shunted off the front lines for the traitor cause. Uh, but what they also found was one of these vaults contained about 300 uh, n- pilotless knight armors that were just waiting to be sent off to a house somewhere that needed them. And they they realized that they don't have any pilots for these knights. They don't have 300 scions lying around that they can just stuff a knight and stuff to the front lines. So Erebus, being jazzed that he is, said, let's just put demons in so the the uh, premise is that the loyalists are here to stop Erebus from summoning enough demons to put in the 300 knights. And at some point during the game, based on certain criteria, uh, these knights will come out. As everyone knows, I've got as as it is well known, I have about four or five converted demon knights. Uh, they will all be making an appearance at this game if the right circumstances are met. So initially, the initial plan is to have a Castellum stronghold in the center of the board that represents like Erebus's ritual bunker. 
That's and in order for loyalists to win, they have to either kill Erebus or destroy the bunker or both. If they do not, by turn five, if Erebus is alive and the bunker is in relatively good health, uh, the demon knights march out of it and start clearing off the board of loyalists. So that's what's going to happen. Sounds uh, cool. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a problem. <laughs> the solution is knights, errands. knights, errands, and a whole bunch of loyalists. Uh, but one of the one of the fun things that I came up for this event is uh, there's a lot of fun stories regarding the first Greymorm battle. So certain armies are going to have certain rules based on those stories. Uh, Austin's mutt. Infamous or uh, the infamous uh, drop pod incident, wherein a player who shall remain nameless drop potted roughly one third of his army or one third of his points cost in one unit in one drop pod, really close to Austin's militia, who then surrounded it, blew it up, and killed everybody inside because they couldn't get out. So, Emperor's children all gain hatred against militia this game. And imperial, and imperial militia gain preferred enemy, Emperor's Children. <laughs> uh, my infantry units infamously ate, like, <laughs> 87 flamer hits from a pyro-class squad of salamanders. So salamanders get preferred enemy, word-bearers, and word-bearers get to reroll feel-no-pain rolls against salamander template weapons. And that's just two of them. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we'll get no feeling our pain. It's pretty cool, though. Hammers, though. It speaks to how long you guys have been keeping your community going that you can start making special rules for stuff that happened or cool stuff that uh, happened. There will also ago. be uh, benefits if you happen to have your Formanus Front dog tag. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, when we first started oh, doing these events, we, we had little forever. Uh, trinkets that we gave out for, oh, I still have that. for people who attended. And uh, by and large, the one that I think has endured the longest has been the Formanos Run dog tag, uh, which has either traitor or loyalist on it. And then it has, I think it has the Eye of Horus, or does it have the Aquila on it, if you're a loyalist? Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, the Aquila on it. Uh, by, the done by the same guy actually who did the uh, the Zimortalis, um, Spasm cards, wasn't it? No. Oh. Uh, I mean, Australia's a big distance. I think so. Relatively close. But I think they're both from Australia, so you're close, but not quite. Yeah. Well, for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Forge World was cheaper than plastic out there, so. But only for a while. Poor Australians. Mm. <laughs> yep. So. Oh boy. Anyway. Uh, what about some other upcoming events? We're doing some sort of doubles event in January too, aren't we? <laughs> 
I believe I you are think correct. we do. The mixed that sounds like something that we're doing. Where we randomly get a partner. Yes, Saturday, January 26th at Battlegrounds. It's bring a 2,000-point army drawn from any army list in the Horus Heresy series. It's a doubles event, and players will be paired. Uh, even uh, even uh, is that going to be divided along loyalists and traitors, or might or math? Because you know, it's I've I'm, been playing. I'm assuming so. Yep. Uh, yep. So if, if you're coming, if yeah. you're coming, comment you either know, loyalist or traitor on this post. I've been playing so this in this community for about four years now. There are certain people that I've just never played on the same side of the board with. Jared, Austin, Will. I've never played on a team with any of these people. Like, half of the community I've only ever played against. Yeah. Do you even well, know me, Jesse? You when you play World Ear. World, uh, world, uh, uh, word Bearers. Alright, well, that's fair. No. <laughs> I still have the Sikaran for my world ears for the um, Crimson Fuckers, so there we go. What? You gave me the Sikaran battle, not the Sikaran. No, I can That's fuckers. right, I did the tank. Yeah, the Sikaran tank for my Crimson Fuckers. No, no, you're talking about the Spartan. The Red Crimson Fuckers. Yeah, there we go. The Spartan for the Crimson Fuckers, which are Red Butchers. Exactly, it's a color and some nasty shit behind it. And the ones with, yep, kind of with power axes. The limb ripping kind. What kind of fucking is y'all doing? <laughs> I would call it more than. <clears throat> Okay, so, um, and other news. Ah. Oh, how did that go? I played a game today uh, with uh, Chase, and we did, uh, it was like, when I say, like, I haven't had a game that good in a long time, this was like, uh, like, first off, Chase is a really, really chill dude, and, um, he brought, we, we played 3,500. Uh, he had a whole bunch of uh, world eaters, and he had two Spartans, land raiders, and Leviathan, uh, Contemptor, bunch of inductee, and red butchers. And I brought the, a bunch of terminators, all land raiders, and a mastodon. And we like parked our stuff. Uh, well, let me back it up a second. That was, that was, we pretty much had like the same. Lots of, you know, dudes in boxes. He had, like, lots of guys. I had, you know, really, really... He had quantity. I had quality. Uh, and we're like, you know, what do you want to play? And we're like, you know, we could just put, like, you know, a deck in the middle and fight over it. We're like, ah. Uh, or, you know, we could um, take this chance to, like... Because he had book six with him. And I think uh, Shadow War missions are, like, the best missions in the game. And I thought that they're not utilized enough. But we did a Shadow War mission. And we did a roll-off. And... um 
you know, he ended up winning it, winning the roll off, even though Road Eater are negative for being low in the mind and ferocious. Uh, but uh, we ended up rolling denial, which is guess what? It's a one fucking objective in the center of the board, and you that's it. That's the only way to win. You get five victory points for getting the objective. If neither one has it, it's a draw. So we're like, oh, well, how funny. We're just talking about doing uh, a mission where we just run it, fight for one objective. And we're like, no, we'll roll for it on the book. And it was funny because that's exactly what we did. Um, but like the game literally went to the very end. Like it was a bloodbath both ways, things dying. Uh, I finally realized like inducting are freaking brutal and they are the kryptonite to fire drakes. If you want to know how to kill fire drakes, you throw 80 dice at them, being able to re-roll with hatred. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was not a good time for them, but it took like a whole bunch of shenanigans just to stay in the game. Uh, I would have won the game if it would have ended on turn five, but we rolled and it went to another turn and he was able to bring it back. And it was still super close. He was like within barely an, a fraction of an inch of the objective at the very end. And he was able to come away with the win. And I was like, bro, I don't think I've ever played a game this close where it came down. And like, you know, it it was like, dude, like hands down, like it was like at no point in the game, you know, when you do it, you like play and you're like, dude, I'm about to like one sided. Every turn, it was just back and forth. Like at no point did one of us have the upper edge. So, kudos to him if he's listening. Great fucking game. That shit was fun. That's funny you mentioned that, Robbie. I, I played him. I played two games with him like two weeks ago. Um, he played my. He's the first one that played my custodes or my talons. Completely whooped their ass with his uh, armored breakthrough blood angels list. And then I played him with uh, death guard. But he's actually the guy I'm playing doubles with. We're playing two games of doubles tomorrow. Um, up here in Maryland. Oh yeah, because he's he was telling me about that. He's like he's in like the the hot spot for real. He's like in Quantico. He can go up and do all the Maryland stuff, and he comes yep. down and do all the Richmond stuff. Like he's a like he's in a good spot for heresy for real. But more about your games. What did y'all do? What's that? The games yeah. we played. Um, so I played, uh, like 1850 Talons, which is the army that I won from, um, Brangan Heresy. And then I added, uh, Janisha Kroll and One Sister Squad, and I played against the Armored Breakthrough. That was just a shit show. I mean, uh, Custodes died. I think one Custode made it into Assault, uh, against a Predator. You know, the rest of them got shot off the board. So that was a pretty lopsided game. The second game we played, it was 3,500 points. He played his uh, Ultramarines. I played Death Guard. We threw Primarchs on the table. And uh, that was a pretty good knockout, dragout fight. Uh, Mortarian ended up kind of holding that game for me because of his uh, shadow walk ability. He was making it into the back lines, killing his back line artillery stuff, and then he came in and finished off Gilliman. So. But it was a really fun game. Yeah, that, that shadow walk, like, even though it's a disorder charge, it's still f- pretty freaking amazing considering, like, thinking about who you throw them at. Like, oh, you got a heavy support squad back here? Guess what? You now have to deal with Mortarian. And he's got that, 
he's got that scythe also, too, so having a disordered charge doesn't really affect him. He's usually going to get extra attack. Yeah, I was about to say, disordered charge doesn't mean much to him. Because he gets that extra attack anyway for touching a bunch of people. Man, I love him. Yeah, he's pretty badass. Man. So in, in that game, it was kind of because he had uh, Gilliman with, I think, 10 suzerains and maybe a Primus Medicae or an Apothecary or something in a Spartan. And, you know, we did it. La- originally, we were going to play 3,000 points. And then we were showing each other each other's armies. And he's like, well, I've got Gilliman. I, I had Mortarian. So we decided to just bump it up to 35 and play with the Primarchs. But I don't have any transports for Mortarian. I don't have any land raiders for my Death Guard. So I literally put him like at the very front end of the board, like all the way up on my deployment zone on my right flank. He had his Spartan in the center, and uh, I put him with two Death Shroud. So he's got a bunch of shit on on my flank. That's all his like. He's got a Scorpus. He's got a heavy support squad, a veteran squad, all this other stuff. And my plan was just Mortarian is just going to go back there and fuck with shit, and then I'm going to do my best to deal with his Death Star with all the rest of my stuff. And it worked out really well because, you know, Gulliman definitely hurt me in the center, but, you know, Mortarian was jumping all over the place. He was assaulting a different unit every turn. He was killing something different every turn. And then he was able to get back into the center to, to deal with Gilliman. It was just interesting to see, like, a Primarch that's just essentially hanging out by himself. Nothing could really touch him. Um, and he had such mobility. It was awesome. Man, I have Mortarion because once upon a time I was going to start a Death Guard army. So my girlfriend at the time got me Mortarion. And uh, I keep yeah, he's seeing really him fun, but he's stuck on he my display shelf. And I'm like, one day, Mortarion, one day I'll have Death Guard for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's. I noticed too from. Experience. He just doesn't go down. Yes, for being. He can, he's yeah. T seven, seven wounds. I think he can re-roll his it will not die. He just yeah. he pops in, he kills a bunch of dudes, then he goes and ninja walks somewhere else. Suck it, Korax. So I I once um, Oh, I remember you were playing your white scars up on the he, yeah, his Mortarian was up on the walls. During yeah. one of our mega battles, like his Mortarian was doing great. Uh really good. Yeah, and, yeah, and I fucking had the fucking drop on him. I had my librarian, like, cause Mortarian, he had one wound left. I had my fucking librarian come up there. He got fucking iron arm. Well, I periled, right? I was like, oh fuck. Well, I end up doing the fucking warp charge, so I ended up gaining uh, flesh bane, and that shit does not work against Mortarian. So yeah, because preternatural resistance. <laughs> Like, no fucking way did this happen. Like, how often do you go fucking crazy, biomancied up, and you get warped, like, you're getting iron arm and you warp charge because you peril, and you stole it from it because you're a shitty, enduring prime market. You smell bad, and like, I was, he, it was one wound, and I couldn't get it. I just couldn't do it. And, like, ever since then, I've had, like, a sour taste in my mouth from that bastard. Although one time, Will and I played uh, a game with, uh, I don't remember his name, but he plays Death Guard. He mostly plays 40k. Uh, but he's got that really, a really cool converted Death Guard army. 
and we were doing Come the Red Angel out of book one, and we placed Ingram with Mortarion, and Mortarion got into combat with some Castellax, and we're like, oh yeah, Mortarion's going to wreck those Castellax. And death, silence, pink, pink, pink. He bounced off Castellax for five turns and never killed a single one. Womp, womp, it wasn't even womp. like it wasn't even crazy spur uh, combat Castellax, just regular old Castellax. One of them had a dark fire lance. The rest of the battle just raging around, and it, it was it really what it was was a precursor to Lordar getting stuck in with a bunch of feral servitors and never leaving. What? You remember that game either? It was. One of the, I think it was the first games we did where we integrated Zone Mortalis components. Uh, but Lordar, it was one where Perturbo uh, Perto got stepped on by a knight and Fulgrim, like, kamikaze into another one. Uh, Lordar got into combat with Ad Secularis and just oh, never, he stayed there and just, like, killed them one at a time and could not kill them fast enough because they were fearless. It's like being stuck in quicksand, except for there's like bionics and flesh at the same time. They're like, can you imagine their grubby little hands? Trying yeah, to pull it out? And I don't think he had any psychic powers that were particularly useful for him. So, like, sure, he was rerolling his hits as wounds, but he was only doing like one wound at a time. They couldn't kill him. He couldn't kill them. Well, still, like. Yeah, it would take him like four turns, even if he was rolling well. To kill a full squad. Something, something terrible had happened. His whole, the whole tactical squad so, he was with had died. So it was just him. He was just stuck there with these stupid little secularists who wouldn't die. Yeah, life is hard for Primarchs. Sometimes it's not. But sometimes it is. Uh, good evening, guys. This is Jared. Uh, we're going to try out a new segment tonight called Illuminations. Uh, it's just going to be kind of a one-man segment. Me talking about army lists, events, fluff, all sorts of stuff I can think of. Um, uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about late heresy armies. That is, armies towards the end of the Horus heresy and what they look like. Uh, me, personally, I've been kind of devouring uh, novels as of late. I think I've read uh, Ruin Storm, Wolfsbane, Slaves of Darkness, Old Earth, all within the last six weeks. I'm about to finish up Heralds uh, of the Siege. It's been a good time. Um, now, got to say the novels are just getting better. Um, the series is kind of starting to drag a little bit, but it's really, really picking up. But I'm anxiously awaiting uh, to read Titan Death. I can't wait to get to that one. But uh, yeah, these last couple books gave me just tons and tons of list building ideas and you know it's it's to me it's so interesting seeing the ways that each legion as the heresy goes on how they change how they you know 
grow or embrace new tactics or degrade to the point of no return. Um, so I built a couple lists, each of which is kind of not what you would typically think of the force that it's consisting of. Um, the first list, we've got a uh, Ultramarines list that's centered around destroyers. Um, we've got a Black Shields and Mechanicum list we're going to go over. And finally, we've got an Iron Warriors list that has, wait for it, guys, no artillery in it. I know, I know this is controversial. It's going to upset some people. It's got no artillery. It's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, first off, we'll start with the uh, Ultramarines list. And this was inspired by a particular section in Ruinstorm. Um, the name of the particular character escapes me, but uh, there's a group of Ultramarines destroyers, and they're storming this word bearer's vessel. It's very exciting. They're led by this angry Moritat who's just gunning through word bearers. Um, and it's mentioned in the book that these guys were, you know, during the Great Crusade, kept on a pretty tight leash by Gulliman. But uh, you know, after Kalf, it kind of gives them much more of a uh, free reign to kind of do their own thing. And uh, they take two. Um, so this list is kind of a, supposed to be a, a hard-hitting, fast-moving list. It's not, you know, your, your static defense that Ultramarines are kind of known for. This is a dynamic, you know, move towards the enemy, close with them, and engage sort of list. Um, all right. So start with our HQ slots here. Uh, our Warlord is going to be a Herald console. And for those of you who don't use Heralds, they are got to be one of my top two favorite console choices, particularly for Loyalists. Um, for Just to refresh everyone's memory, um, a Herald on a Loyalist army grants all Loyalist units within 12 inches um, plus one weapon skill to a maximum of five. Now, for most Loyalist armies are not melee-centric, so given your TAC Marines, your Terminators, giving them plus one weapon skill is actually a huge boost, particularly when you're facing things like Cal Vorbach, just staring, you know, just taking a little bit of the edge off and giving yourself just that, that little bump. It's actually a, a real, real effective uh, boost. But the drawback to a Herald is... He carries the support officer um, rule with him, which means he can't be your compulsory HQ, but he also has a rule stating that he must be the warlord. So is a contradiction in a lot of ways. Um, so you do kind of pay a price for the effectiveness of his rules, but in the end, I think it's a, a worthwhile points investment. So you've got a herald with a, a legatine axe and melt bomb, super basic. You know, not even an envol save on this guy or artifice or armor, just as, as cheap as can be. Um, accompanying him is a squad of Invictaris Suzerians. And these guys have that nifty rule where if you've got a Ultramarine with the Master of the Legion special rule, these guys can be taken as a command squad, and one of the Marines can be given a uh, you know, the, the Legion standard. So you've got these Caesareans with their artificer armor and their legatine axes and boarding shields, and now they're fearless. So you've got two standards in one unit, which is, you know, one gives you the bonus to the weapon skill, one gives you a, makes your, your guys fearless around it. It's a pretty cool uh, list. And the nice thing about the Caesareans is each one of them can 
issue and accept challenges. So even if you're, you know, outgunned in a fight, you're not going to be running away. They've got to basically wipe out everybody. Um, and with a squad with invuls and with uh, artificer armor, they'll, they'll stick around for a while and they'll do a good amount of damage. Uh, so also joining these guys is going to be our compulsory HQ, which is your basic Praetor, Paragon Blade, Iron Halo, and with the Mantles of Ultramar. So that is a special suit of ultramarine armor that gives the bearer feel no pain and immunity to the blind special rule, which is pretty good. I mean, it's not earth shattering or anything for 25 points, but uh, considering we're throwing everybody in a Land Raider Phobos, you know, you want to make as much use of those uh, 10 transport capacity as you can and not make room for a uh, apothecary with that squad. So you've got the one guy with feel no pain who can take your challenges and kind of lead the squad and everybody else can kind of follow him. Um, moving down to the elite squads. So again, this army is centered around destroyers. So we've got two 10 man destroyer squads. These guys are equipped with all the good stuff, melter bombs, uh, two missile launchers, a one phosphex bomb on the sergeant, and a power axe on the sergeant. Now, I did not buy, pay the 75 points for the jump packs. To me, you know, these guys are already expensive. Just the basic, just the 10-man squads with the upgrades I mentioned, that's 345 points, which is nothing to laugh at. I mean, that's a, that's a solid investment. But uh, they've got the option of taking jump packs for 75 points. And to me, personally, that's, that's too much. That's so much. Particularly for a squad that you know is going to attract fire. When I face destroyers, I shoot at them first because I know they've got, they've got some scary war gear. And they've got rad grenades and they've got counterattack and they've got all that stuff that you just don't want to be in close combat with. Um, so, you know, you go in expecting them to be some sort of a, a target priority. So uh, I think the way I field them is pretty, pretty optimized here. Um, so each of these squads will be in a rhino basic, you know, no upgrades, 35 points rhino. Now the cool thing about a rhino is that two unit, two models out of any unit can shoot out of the, you know, upper hatches of the rhino as it moves. So each of these squads has two rad missile launchers, which are, uh, you know, they've got the suspensor web, so they're assault. So you've got these two rhinos, they're advancing up the fields. And your guys, you know, your two most effective shooting guys and the squad can just keep shooting, you know, lobbing missiles out the top hatches. And you've got those ablative wounds. You've got the armor. So your enemy's got to, you know, invest some firepower if they want to want to do some damage to your guys. Again, it's not foolproof. It's, uh, you know, rhinos aren't, aren't invincible by any means. But for 35 points, they'll uh, certainly do a solid job of keeping your guys in the fight. <coughs> And uh, rounding out the elite squad, we've got two apothecaries with jump packs. Now, these guys are going to be with our compulsory troop choices, which is going to be two 15-man assault squads. And these guys are kitted out. They've got uh, three power axes in each squad, power fist on the sergeant, artificer armor on the sergeant, melter bombs on the sergeant. Um, 300 points. Again, they're moving up the board. They're going fast. They've got that some covering fire from the uh, destroyers. Um, but yeah, these guys are uh, you know meant to go right in and get into the thick of it. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. 
And hopefully, once uh, everybody gets into close combat, they're within 12 inches of the uh, Herald and can benefit from that good skill 5 upgrade. Uh, so I'm going through the fast attack choices here. I uh, went with three Javelin Speeders with your uh, basic Cyclone Missile Launchers, multi, uh, Multi-Melta, and two hunter kilo missiles. So with the Javelin and uh, also the basic land speeder, in my opinion, the two uh, hunter killer missiles are absolutely a worthwhile upgrade. That's 10 points for two missiles. Um, gives you a very nice alpha strike should you choose to outflank or deep strike them. Um, you know, when you really, really need to kill something, those strength eight AP3, uh, BS5, if you're shooting at a ground target, are uh, very, very useful. Um, <coughs> particularly the multi-melt, gives you some nice anti-armor. Uh, but the, again, the, the missiles are, are nothing to laugh at there. And last unit in this army is going to be uh, your heavy support. And for these, I just went with three of your basic Vindicator tanks, Demolisher cannons, and uh, get the Machine Spirit. So these guys have that. They can move a full 12 inches and still shoot their uh, Demolisher cannons. So you've got a 36-inch threat radius of these Strength 10 large blasts. Blunt instrument, it's a, a direct sort of way of going about things, but that's kind of the approach of this army, is, uh, you know, rush right in, take the fight to the traitors, and, uh, you know, really stick it to them. And I think that reflects the uh, changed attitudes and approach to war that the Ultramarines end up taking, uh, particularly when they're, uh, once the, the ruined storm is broken and they're kind of cleansing worlds uh, of the traitors in the wake of Horus's advance, and they're kind of bearing down on them. You know, this is your your army that that's really aggressive and moving forward and moving forward and taking world after world after world. Uh, that's the approach I went went into uh, this army list with, and I think it I think it works pretty well. I'd have a lot of fun playing this list. I hope it hope for you ultramarines or people who are thinking of doing ultramarine list. I hope this is helpful. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, move on to these next two lists. And I'm going to give a little disclaimer for this this next list. This one's pretty strange, um, but uh, fluff-wise, when you go into the backstories, when you go into uh, you know some of the the lore associated with the heresy, this this army list makes complete sense. Um, so this is a Black Shields force with an allied Mechanicum detachment, and I based this force off of the uh, Black Shields depicted in the short story Black Shield. Uh, So, for those of you who've read or listened to it, um, the Black Shields in that uh, audio drama are led by the former Death Guard, Chrysos Mortard. For those of you who aren't aware of him, he's a uh, a Death Guard vigilator-type ambush sort of a recon guy. Um, during the Great Crusade, he had some latent psychic powers, but he kind of kept that under wraps because of Mortarian. Um, he was staunchly loyal to the Emperor, so his legion decided to purge him, and uh, he was planet-side when Istvan III got hit with the virus bombs. He survived. He survived all of the, the fighting on Istvan III, and was... Uh, Spoiler alert here. Uh, found amid the rubble and wreckage by 
the Archmagos Caleb Decima. And uh, he was on the verge of death. He was going to die. And so Decima, being desperate, short on friends, decided he was going to save him and basically made him this unholy amalgam of flesh and machine. You know, if this was during the Great Crusade, they just would have let him die. Um, he is so badly injured and, and nearly destroyed. They, the, you know, in the in the short story, they they talk about him being more uh, more machine than man. They they wouldn't have even bothered putting him in a dreadnought. They'd probably just let him die out on the slab. But uh, well, he's out, you know, fighting on still. Uh, he's using his psychic abilities. He has stock with endurance, which is a very very nice uh, squad booster. Um, and it's particularly helpful because he does not come with an invulnerable save. So for this, uh, you know, given that actually in his list of titles is the Black Shield, um, if you look in the uh, Age of Darkness Legions book, um, I thought it was appropriate to have him heading up a Black Shield's force. And uh, as Jason put it, and my, my thoughts exactly when uh, I pitched this to the rest of the group, they said he said, you know, if uh, somebody had any issue with you actually using him, it would probably be indicative of them not being a person you want to play with. So, with that in mind, this force is headed up. The warlord is Crisis Mortar. He has a lot of unique... Uh, he comes with the Death Guard standard rules just for, for continuity purposes. You know, you could say, all right, he loses the Death Guard rules. He gains the Black Shields wrought by war, whichever particular wrought by war choice you go with. It keeps the same war gear, same psychic ability, all that stuff. Um, I know his warlord trait is taken from the old, old seventh uh, edition forty k rulebook, which is no longer applicable to thirty or forty k. But uh, I believe it's called like Master of Ambush. I think he gave some guys outflank, something like that. Um, you could easily say you, know, you can give D three units outflank. It wouldn't take a lot of a lot of stretching to. Uh, put him on the table and have any sort of reasonable opponent be, uh, be okay with it. So he's our, our compulsory HQ. Um, he's joining a recon squad uh, because he also has the infiltrate rule. So I wanted to make the most of that. So you got a 10 man recon squad. They've got the Cameline cloaks. They've got stealth uh, shotguns equipped so you can get, get in nice and close power fist on the sergeant and a pariah combi flamer. And I got to tell you, having had Pariah Combi Flamers used against me, uh, I will. I would say anyone looking to use Black Shields should take as many of them as can fit in your army. They are absolutely worth it. You know, you don't think, eh, it's just Strength 4, it's just a normal Flamer, but that Torrent, you know, even if you've got just two of them in a squad, if you've got normal, um, you know, any, any sort of infantry unit, that's going to be a big threat to with the torrent you can you know it's a it's a lot of hits they'll be cranking out um so in our second hq slot um, we've got a legion champion with a paragon blade combat shield and melt bombs i love that forge world gave that faq to where legion champions can now have paragon blades i'd actually suggested that Long, 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 long time ago. Um, and I, I'm sure Forge World just read my mind and uh, picked up on that and, and did it. I'm very happy that's now an option and they're actually worth taking. Because uh, that, that's a pretty potent uh, 
character there for 110 points. Uh, so the Legion Champion is going to accompany a Black Shield Marauder squad. Uh, this is a nine-man squad. They've all got uh, their chain axes. And remember, if, you, if you're running Marauders, be sure, be sure to model them with chain axes. I know it's kind of a pain in the butt. You gotta get the melee arms. You gotta figure out where to get chain axes from. I know Forge World makes some. Uh, Cromlech makes some. There's a ton of companies out there that make them. But uh, plus one strength, AP four. You know you're gonna chew through Thalax. You're gonna chew through Mortals, and you're gonna do a lot better against Marines with it. Uh, so that's my, my encouragement to all of you: is if you're running Black Shields, put chain axes on your guys. Um, Lots of nine men uh, put shotguns on eight of them, and then uh, the one guy you're allowed to a power weapon, it's probably a power axe, and uh, power fist and combi flamer on the sergeant. And these guys would take a dread clock drop drop pod as a dedicated transport. So you've got a pretty decent close combat squad, not maxed out or anything, but can do some fair work even against terminators, although they'd probably die in turn. Um, and these guys are in a deep strike turn one. You know they're going to come in because they got no other drop pods or anything else to worry about in the uh, in the army. There's just your your solid, you know, keep them alive. Get a turn two charge off. Going on to our uh, elites here. We've got a ten man veteran squad, all with melt bombs, two pariah flamers, and five power weapons. So these guys, um, I figured they'd go with the uh, weapon master. <coughs> um, veteran tactics so for 255 points you know fairly cheap for a pretty effective squad um you know you've got these weapon skill five vets um <clears throat> it's implacable advance um you know again they're not maxed out for for you know tabletop but they'll, they'll do some work once they get into combat uh, once you go through the list i think we'll, uh it'll be evident these guys can still do some decent work um Rounding out the troop choices, we've got another Marauder squad. Uh, this one's a 10-man squad, with seven of them having shotguns, two having melted guns, and then just a melted bomb on the sergeant. So uh, <clears throat> these guys are going to be transported in a rhino with a dozer blade and a multi-melted. Um, so like I mentioned with the Ultramarines list, you got two guys who can shoot out the top hatch. So moving that rhino forward, you've got three melted shots cranking out and your opponent is going to have to direct some firepower or some sort of a ordinance their way because they're going to do good stuff against you know uh, dreadnoughts in particular but uh, again nobody wants to get shot by melted and uh rounding out the astartes part of this list is the basic derradeo dreadnought with a uh, turret mounted missile launcher for 220 points, you know, Daredeos are pretty well acknowledged as one of the best uh, firepower choices for the points in terms of anti-air, anti-armor. They're just good all. Right. So, moving on to the second half of the list here. This is going to be the Mechanicum part of the list. So these guys are allied Magos Reductor Detachment alongside the uh, Black Shields. These are led by Caleb Decima. Now, for those of you who haven't picked through the uh, Mechanicum Red Book, um, first of all, I would highly encourage you to do so if you haven't. There's a lot of good stuff in there. But uh, Caleb Decima 
is very, very interesting character to me. Um, he is a staunchly loyal uh, Magos Reductor. So he's, he can be taken in the uh, Tegmata Omnissiah, but he, he should be taken in a uh, Ordo Reductor list. So uh, he's basically this angry Magos who survived Istvan three and is now just on a, a blood vengeance, you know, crusade against the traitors to, to eke out, uh, you know, revenge for what they did to them on that, on that world. Um, so being Ordo Reductor, your compulsory troop choice for this is a uh, Alex cohort. Now this is going to be, uh, have six Thalax in it, all equipped with melted bombs and two plasma fusils. Now, not many people run plasma fusils. I see a lot of, uh, people take the destructor, um, specialty and they'll run them with uh, or uh, photon thrusters. I'm actually a fan of the plasma fusil. Um, you know, they're a, a plasma gun that doesn't get hot. It is AP3. But you get three shots. They're relentless, so you don't have to worry about the salvo or anything. You just go. Um, in my opinion, they're, they're top-notch. I think they're really good. And you'd be chipping away at infantry and light armor. Um, now, looking at our uh, elite choices... Now, Caleb Decima has kind of a unique trait where he can basically take a bodyguard of a Servitor, Servo Automata, or Tech Priest Auxilia, or Ciliax Guardian Automata that don't take up a Force Organization chart. And he can also take a dedicated transport of a Macrocorid Explorator, which is pretty stinking cool. So I chose to do both. Uh, so he's going to be accompanied by the Tech Priest Auxilia. Uh, this is sort of your catch-all uh, kind of firepower assistant unit uh, for the Mechanicum. So the Servitors have a lot of different weapon options. I like to give them all flamers. So I've got seven Servitors all with flamers. And uh, just melt the bombs on the, the um, Adept, just in case we get in close combat with the Dreadnought or something high on the value that needs to be taken. And these guys are all crammed into a Procreate Explorator, the formerly known as Mechanicum Land Raider. Um, this is a AV-14 all-around robust, tough vehicle. Um, you can put a flare shield on it, it's ceramite, um, and it's got just a dazzling array of weapon options. Uh, my personal favorite here would be the uh, Conversion Beamer. They can take two Sponson-mounted irradiation engines. Uh, the conversion beamer is just awesome in terms of uh, long-range firepower. That strength 10 template is just amazing. Um, and the irradiation engines are, uh, when you get in within 18 inches or so, they're borderline broken in their effectiveness. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the radiation engine is a torrent flamer template, but it is fleshbane. Strength 4, AP 3. And these are twin-linked radiation engines, so you're re-rolling those ones just in case you didn't get enough wounds already. So with Torrent, you can get a ton of hits, and then they're twin-linked, so re-rolling those to wound. Um, very, very, very effective. You're just piling on wounds. They ignore cover. They're just devastatingly effective uh, weapons. Got your Caleb Decima. He's accompanying. He's, he's got... Uh, you know, a bunch of servitors with them, all with flamers. So uh, 
you know, say you get, you know, I don't know, say you get a, a Primark pops down on the field and uh, have a crib just drop pod or a Mastodon or whatever. If you can you know, line it up just right, you've got your, your radiation engines hitting them, you've got flamers hitting them, you know, everybody likes to take Primarks with uh, Terminator bodyguard or some sort of you know, Galvor box, some sort of you know, big signature unit. These guys here, with uh, Caleb Decima having his uh, Akinator array, he's got a flamer as well. So that's eight flamer templates, two radiation engines. It's a lot. So even Terminators aren't going to make all those saves. And that by itself is 575 points for a devastating amount of firepower. Uh, again, kind of a unique... Uh, sort of a unique unit, but um, one that would really really uh, hold up well, in my opinion, at least for uh, effectiveness. I don't think those servitors are going to last the whole game. They've only got that 5-up save, but uh, I think they'll do their job well. Uh, through the uh, Phallix cohort here, um, in the fast attack slot here, again, you've only got one fast attack slot now at Detachment, but I love the Avenger Fighter. Probably the coolest flyer that Forge puts out. You know, it looks... Very, very much like the uh, old Nazi uh, Stukas from World War II. Um, and it's kind of used in a similar manner, you know, tank hunting dive bomber. Um, this one, I gave two Kraken missile pods, uh, chaff launcher, and battle servitor control. So it uh, gets tank hunter as well. Uh, the downside of it versus, say, a lightning or a thunderbolt is it's base BS3, but it has the strafing run rule. So if you're attacking ground targets, which you should be, um, with this, you're still only BS4. The plus side is it comes with a lot of stock firepower already on it. You've got the Avenger bolt cannon, then you've got two tank hunting las cannons, which are nothing to laugh at. Um, so it's not some like auto delete thing like a lightning is with fully loaded with krakens, but it's a pretty effective flyer and it's cheaper, considerably cheaper. The fully kitted out version I've got here is only 225 points, so that's about 20 50 points cheaper than most uh, lightnings. And Last unit in the army here is a group of Myrmidon Destructors. Now, these guys, um, prior to me getting into Phalanx Warriors, these guys were my favorite unit in the game. Um, their rules, they get preferred enemy everything. They've got Tower Fists, they've got Fractor Fields, um, BS5, and most of their weapons, they're wounding you most stuff on twos, and they're rerolling those ones. They are the, the Omnissiah in the destructor form, they are just super mean. Um, so these guys I would give basic squad of three, and each of them would have a conversion beeper. So you've got three, uh, outside of 42 inches, you've got three strength 10 AP1 templates. And against armor, against you know, T5 Thalax, against that kills us about anything. Um, they are just devastatingly effective. And for 240 points, not cheap, but uh, for what they do, certainly worthwhile. Oh, and going back to the Black Shields on this list, uh, I kind of built this list in mind with the uh, Orphans of War brought by war. And uh, just to kind of rehash there, these guys, they're sort of the anarchists, uh, the punk rockers of uh, the Black Shields. So they're very anti- Authority. You can't have a chaplain. You can't have knights errant in their uh, in a force that has them. But uh, they're 
the characters and a force that uses this get preferred enemy to enemy characters. And then if they're close together, a couple units, they get plus one to leadership. So they're very close knit with each other. And with your characters having preferred enemy against the enemy characters, you know, and they're conferring it to their own squads, pretty much as long as your sergeants and, and centurions are alive, you're going to have preferred enemy, which is a great force multiplier, particularly for black shields. Uh, but yeah, so this is a, again, this is a very, very fluff heavy list. Um, I think it's got some parts of it that would be pretty devastating on the tabletop. Then some parts that are a little more, you know, uh, fluffy, but uh, I do like the idea of, you know, ragtag group of black shields and a sort of ad hoc group of mechanicum kind of, you know, pulling together and really taking it to the traders. And if you have not listened to the audio drama Black Shield, I would highly recommend it. Very, very good. All right. Drawing to a close here. This is our Iron Warriors list. And um, I'm going to preface this by saying this is a weird list. It, it, it is. It's just a strange, unusual type list. Um, I think it'd be pretty effective on the tabletop. But... Uh, might ruffle some feathers. Uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, this was based off of kind of the beginning portions of Slaves to Darkness. Uh, in it, they take a look at the Iron Warriors Legion, uh, particularly the character Bulk. Um, and the Iron Warriors, you really get to see them. Um, they're, they're worn out as a legion. Um, they've kind of thrown themselves headfirst into the heresy. You know, they were on Isfahan Five, where you know, they did some they did some good work against the traders, um, and comparatively, they probably took much lighter casualties than a lot of the other trader legions because they just kind of set up behind barricades and just shelled the hell out of whoever was coming near them. Um, but then they they had heavy losses at fall. They had uh, heavy losses throughout the events in uh, Angel Exterminatus, and then where do they go? They go straight into Talon, probably the biggest battle of uh, I don't want to say the biggest battle of the heresy so far, but certainly one of the largest engagements. And you know, this is the largest tank battle, something like 10,000 tanks uh, uh, had ever taken place to, you know, in the galaxy. They just irradiated this whole planet. And Talarn was a muster world uh, for the uh, Imperial Army and the Militia, Mechanicum. There's so many different uh, military forces that were pulled up on Talarn, just kind of waiting around, and then the Iron Warriors show up and just nuke the whole place. But uh, you know, they, they drew so many loyalists from out of system, and even other traitor units start showing up. Um, so the Iron Warriors are just taking massive casualties, and they're killing millions upon millions upon millions of loyalists. But again, they're facing you know, Astartes versus Militia. So the, the casualty ratios are, are uh, almost always in, in the mortals' favor. So they're just grinding their legion down. I, I don't want to spoil uh, the Talarn books for anybody because I, I, I enjoyed them so thoroughly. Probably one of the best depictions of armored warfare in any Warhammer book I've read. Um, definitely, if you're thinking about it, pick up those books, short stories, get through them. They're so much fun. Um, but yeah, after... Iron Warriors ultimately leave Talarn. They've, they've had bloody campaign after bloody campaign after bloody campaign. 
and they're slowly starting to realize, you know, the, the despair is setting in with Perturado as he's realizing, you know, with the Great Crusade, the Emperor had me and my legion slogging through the mud. You know, we were the brunt of every attack. We were taking the heaviest losses. We were leading the charge, digging the trenches, doing the dirty work. And Horace is doing the exact same thing to him. And he's realizing that, you know, he hasn't gained the advantages that he, he thought he was going to. The, the, you know, the betrayal of, of his father and of the Imperium just has not borne the fruit he was hoping it to. But, uh, you know, they're iron warriors. They're iron within, so they're kind of sticking with it. They're going down to the bitter end. So Slaves to Darkness sees the iron warriors holding uh, kind of Horus's rear. They're, uh, you know, holding the area that's been opened up by the Ruin Storm, and the Ultramarines and the Dark Angels are coming hard at them. Uh, they've got you know, comparatively fresh legions, um, and they're just going world by world and freeing or destroying these worlds from the grip of the traitors. And so that always really, really struck a chord with me because it, it depicts uh, you know, iron warriors charging into battle and they're facing you know, an entrenched uh, militia units. And, you know, they're not even, they're not even firing their bolters because they don't have bolts. You know, they're, they're, they're exercising so much fire discipline where they wouldn't have, say, in the Great Crusader earlier in the heresy, because they just don't have the equipment. They're so short on ordnance. Um, so I kind of took that as a challenge accepted sort of, uh, how, how can I, you know, write a list that might reflect some of that? So I gave it a shot. Um, there is some, some fancy equipment in here. There's definitely some firepower in here. But it is not your average Iron Warriors list. Uh, the Tormentor is nowhere to be found. There's no Tyrant Siege Terminators. There's no Iron Havocs. So let's go into this. Um, this list is started up again with the Herald. And the Traitor Herald, um, you get plus one to charge. You get uh, you get to reroll once to hit when you do charge. It's a very, you know, moving forward sort of character. And again, that's a that's a 12-inch bubble that he gives that, that bonus to. So uh, he's going to be your warlord. Now, as your compulsory HQ, and uh, we've got a chaplain, bare bones, got a combat shield, and a bombs, give him a power axe as well. So for 95 points, you just got your uh, basic chaplain accompanying him. All right, and digging into the meat here. Um, this is going to be running the Pride of the Legion. And in mind, We've got three Terminator squads. Each one is in a Dreadclaw drop pod. Um, in the Terminator squad, you got five men in there. You got one chain fist, four with power fists, a grenade sergeant, or sorry, a grenade harness on the sergeant. Dirt cheap Terminators. 215 points for the squad, again, 115 for the Dreadclaw drop pod. With the drop pod rule, you've got guaranteed two drop pods are coming down. It's very helpful. Because this is basically a null deployed list. So if you don't have the first turn, your enemy can't really do anything against you. Um, next, you've got two veteran squads. These are two 10-man veteran squads. Um, one is going to be your machine destroyers. So you've got two melted guns in the squad, eight combi weapons, combi meltas, and melta bombs on everybody, and power fist on the sergeant for 310 points. So you know, not cheap, not, not devastatingly expensive. Uh, your second veteran squad is a 10-man with multi-bombs, and these are your weapon masters. Oh, 
probably intend for these guys to accompany the Herald and Chapel. Um, it's a nine power weapons, two flamers, and a uh, power fist on the sergeant. And again, 310 points comes out the exact same. And uh, one elite choice here. I'm, I'm sorry, two, one of the two elite choices here. Uh, Ten-man destroyer squad. Um, like the Ultramarines I mentioned earlier, the Ten-man squad. Two missile launchers, melt bombs, and a phosphorus bomb on the sergeant. Now, where things get interesting. In the uh, fast attack slots here, three termite drills. So the Astartes termite drill is 80 points each. That's 240 points. And each one of these squads I just mentioned is going to go in a termite drill. Uh, so like I mentioned with the Dread Claws, you've got, they basically operate on the same, same wording type of rules. So you've got two termites coming in turn one. You've got two Dread Claws coming in turn one. And you get to choose which ones come in. And then turn two. The other two hopefully will come in, assuming your reserve rolls go well. Um, and finishing up the list, two Fire Raptor gunships with the autocannon turrets and Hell Strike missiles for 230 points each. Um, so this is a straightforward list. It's, it's pretty basic. But uh, it's got a lot of decent amount of firepower. And the benefit is you can kind of envelop uh, your enemy. You know, it's it's totally different from how most Iron Warriors set up their, their play. You know, most, you know, I've, I've known a decent amount of Iron Warriors players and they're so firepower heavy. you got your rapier mortars, you've got the Tormentor, you got your Iron Circle, you got your Siege Tyrants. You know, all arrayed out in a row and you're just bombing the, the enemy into oblivion. Well, this represents kind of a, a, a change in tactics. Um, you know, making the most of, of not having the best uh, resources and equipment. Um, you know, I, I tried to, to depict that in this list. I hope it worked. Uh, again, I think it'd be an interesting list to use. Um, yeah, it could be, a, could be a good time. All right. Well, that's all I've got for you. Um, I hope this was at least somewhat enjoyable for all of you. I hope to be uh, doing some more recording here of late. I know I haven't been able to be on the cast nearly as much as I wanted to, but uh, yeah, thank you for your time, guys. Kara, did you want to talk about a um, project going on for next year? Oh yes, like already mentioned on the last episode, I think. Or I don't remember if there was one in between. And coming up next year is gonna be a little heresy book club um, of some kind. We will go tr- back to the beginning and just go through those books again and mention some of the little details which you usually forget after reading it once or twice. But it's gonna be fun, hopefully. That's awesome, because I realized, looking back, I don't think I've read the first three books since 2008. It's been a long time, 2008, 2009. Right, right about the time I was getting into 40K, I started reading the Harris, Horace Heresy books, so that'll be cool. And, I mean, these books, these are good books. I mean, yes, there are also books I really don't like, like Descent of Angels, but maybe I'll also fight through those eventually. But we'll see how it's going.
Yeah, um, I've got one thing for the Maryland guys, actually for anybody, uh, any of the listeners. Uh, we're doing an Escalation League, a New Year's Escalation League uh, in Maryland. So it's uh, over three months, January through March, uh, starting with 500 points, going up to 1,500 over three months. Uh, if you're interested, join Maryland 30K, and then the event is posted up there with all the rules. Um, and there's a point system for, you know, fully painting that 500 points, not fully painting, getting X number of games in, and then we'll be doing monthly uh, games with everybody that's participating in the Escalation League. Um, but you do not have to be in Maryland to do it. There's some uh, Pennsylvania guys doing it. There's some Virginia guys doing it. You can play your games uh, with your local community and still earn points. And at the end, whoever has the most points, uh, there's going to be some prizes that I'll send out. So I'm going to win. You probably will. You probably will. I'm already getting ready. I've already, I got penciled in. I'm going to pay people to lie and say that we played. And I'm going to have like... Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get all the points that I can. Yeah. Awesome. That's that's really good. Uh, it, so it starts in January. Uh, what, 1 January. It so it's one of those things like, you know, post a picture of your first 500 points um, and then post it when it's complete. You don't have to finish uh, the 500 points in the first month if you take an extra week or two to do it because life happens, uh, that's fun. You can still get points for completing it. Um, yeah, should be fun. I'm, I think I'm going to do some word bearers. That's why I started in November. So I just went ahead and got a head start. Yeah. No. No. What? Also, I'd like to mention that uh, we now have our podcast swag shop up again. Hooray. After the craziness of trying to figure out how this stuff works, we now have a little Teespring account. So if you guys ever want to throw some money our way and get some pretty sweet T-shirts, which these are very nice T-shirts, nice soft snug, and got some nice hoodies, got a nice mug with... Really good to yeah, sleep in. Yeah, got uh, mugs with both our little uh, iconic artworks on either side. So yeah, if you're interested in some swag, head on over there. Got a little promo code first. You'll get fifteen percent off until the first of not, uh, the first nice. of next year. So go on in there, yeah, and uh, treat yourself. And thank you. And that's about all I got for today. Everyone else good? Nope. Happy holidays. Hope the holidays stay oh. hard for heresy in the new year coming. Happy Be holidays. safe, everyone. Happy Have holidays and Happy New Year. Bye. Bye. Bye.